0: Well, the uh, national focus these past couple of weeks has uh, shown us, I think, how events that maybe don't directly uh, relate to us still affect us in a whole variety of ways. And it's been interesting uh, to watch the news, to observe uh, the different uh, writings that have been out there as people have watched, have cried, have given tributes uh, to two men who, uh, for the most part, people do not know at all. And I'm talking about uh, Warrant Officer Patrice Vincent, who was killed in Quebec Uh, As we know, his funeral was just yesterday, and also uh, Corporal Nathan Cirillo, uh, who was killed at the war memorial and whose uh, funeral was uh, earlier this week. It's hard to make sense of uh, very senseless murders, but uh, what is also interesting in that is that some good things uh, and healthy things are also revealed in the midst of tragedies uh, like that as well, revealed about people, revealed about us even as Canadians in different ways. Uh, And it's been interesting to see how the country uh, comes together and how some common values and some connectivity starts to surface and uh, to rise up, uh, which is good. As people feel the impact and feel the loss that they can't even really explain because they are so far removed. What was interesting is these men were not larger-than-life kind of military figures. They were not Uh, ones who lost their life on the battlefield or anything like that, but what you would think were seemingly low-key kind of roles and what might have even been perceived as kind of insignificant prior to these events. But what's been interesting is just this uh, realization that their roles matter, that obviously their lives uh, matter, and it brought so many uh, good things uh, to the surface as well. Uh, Even interesting, just seeing Prime Minister Harper even hug Thomas Mulcair and Justin Trudeau. Now that's something, but uh, we are thankful that it wasn't uh, worse than it was. Um, But as I said, it it reminds us that when we are a part of something bigger that we feel the loss when something is removed or something uh, is missing. And I think in in some ways there are some similarities uh, in that story and these stories to what we're going to talk about today. And uh, let me just open a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this text that we have been studying in 1 Corinthians 12 about the spiritual gifts, about your body. Um, we thank you for this truth that uh, all components matter. And uh, Lord, we, we lift up uh, the families of, of these men and those who are grieving who did know them personally and intimately. And we pray for your peace and your comfort and your blessing. We thank you, Lord, that you can bring good things out of tragedy. And uh, we pray, Lord, that as we reflect on the body of Christ now this morning and the implications of the teachings that we will hear this morning, that your spirit will stir in our hearts this morning, that you would help us to understand, uh, to discern, and to apply in our unique setting, both as individuals but also as the church. So we commit this time to you and we pray that you would uh, give us ears to hear and eyes to see and, and give us hearts that are obedient to your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are in the series in 1 Corinthians 12 uh, called Body Parts, uh, talking about this idea of all of us as part of the body of Christ and some of the things that that means and the implica- implications of that. Uh, last week we were looking at the text that Paul talks about in, in 1 Corinthians 12 that, that articulated some of the very specific gifts. And uh, we talked around some of those different gifts and how to think about them and how do we... How uh, them uh, come out in our body in different ways, but it was about specifics. And today Paul's teaching goes from specifics to the whole. And he talks about the whole body of Christ and all of the context and how um, the context of the parts is, is what is so important. How every person matters, how each gift matters, and this whole idea that there are no nobodies in the body of Christ. But that when one hurts, all hurt. When one celebrates... All celebrate in some measure. and That there's this connectivity in the healthy body of Christ that makes it so. Eugene Peterson puts it this way. He says, the way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts that we mention and the parts that we don't. The parts that we see and the parts that we don't. If one part hurts, every other part is involved in the hurt and in the healing." If one part flourishes, every other part enters into the exuberance. I'd have you turn uh, to, your, uh, to the text in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And uh, I want to just have us walk through this text today and pull out these applications uh, for us and what Paul was speaking to in this original context as well. And so he starts in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 12 and he says, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. And so it is with the body of Christ. And again, how, I love how Paul goes immediately from talking about individual spiritual gifts and the individual components of the body, and now he goes right into talking about the whole, right into talking about this idea of the physical body representing this spiritual body and how we can understand the spiritual body in this metaphor of the physical. How no gifts are ever intended to be used alone, but they are to be used in the context of community. In Romans chapter 12, verse 4 and 5, and we've been looking at this text that in many ways has so many parallels to one in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, he says a similar thing. In Romans uh, 12, verse 4, he says, just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. So again, this teaching of the connectiveness, the wholeness, same theme that we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And then he goes into this, what would be a very radical truth in verse 13. He says, some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. And he's speaking to a people who were accustomed accustomed to not associating with other people. He was speaking to people who would come from this background of knowing very quickly if somebody was a Jew or a Gentile, and, and keeping their distance in a whole variety of ways. And he says that when you come together in the body of Christ, when you have this commonality of this one spirit, it changes things. And these people who are so diverse, and these people who are, are so different, they come together in this one truth, and they're centered around Jesus Christ, the connective tissue. When we talk as a church about being covenant community. Not only are we talking about yeah caring for each other, supporting one another, encouraging each other, even helping to keep each other accountable in our walk with Christ. It is that, but it is so much more than that. It is being connected by this covenant, this new covenant of Jesus Christ. That is the centerpiece of what it means to be covenant community. That's what Paul is talking about here of these diverse people of different backgrounds, different nationalities, different income brackets, political leanings, views in the world, different gifts. And he says, but there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. He says that in Ephesians. Very similar kind of line of what he is saying right here. You know, I was um, thinking about this in relation to our Mennonite Brethren denomination. And uh, our denomination that this church belongs to is uh, one that for the most part in Canada, the Mennonite Brethren typically come from a background that is more Dutch-German kind of Russian background. It's true mostly across Canada as you look at the Mennonite Brethren Church that the origins, the background of the Mennonite Brethren Church in Canada has this DGR, this Dutch, German, Russian background. And it would be true of our church as well. And even as we celebrate our 50th anniversary right now, we know that that for most of those who were part of that group 50 years ago uh, who established this new work would have been part of that Dutch, German, Russian background. That would be true largely. And we recognize that that is a strength in many ways, but also it is a weakness. It's a vulnerability. And, and by the grace of God, we are also changing as a church and a denomination. Where our denomination is looking very different than it did 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 50 years ago. We are becoming less and less similar in terms of that background and more and more diverse, which is a very good thing. Just as Paul is talking about here in this text, people of all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of political leanings, all kinds of understandings of the world or whatever you want to look at. That the connective tissue isn't just ethnic food or a common last name or having Dutch, German, Russian background. It's something so much more than that. You know, when it comes to Mennonite brethren, I very quickly point people to that fact that it's it's not about those things. The connective tissue is something very different. Let me just articulate five things real quickly. It's a simple biblicism. Of the centrality of Scripture in all that we do and all that we teach, it's the centrality of Jesus Christ and the hope of the gospel that is there. That that is the foundation, the focal point, and that we read Scripture through the lens of the New Testament because Jesus came as God's ultimate disclosure. And so we focus on the centrality of who Jesus is. Thirdly, that that, that the church is a community of faith that we need to belong that we need to be accountable, that we need to encourage one another, that we need to be connected in a community of faith, that we read Scripture, discern Scripture together in the community of faith that's part of our distinctive. Fourthly, that the gospel is seen as good news. Good news. That as people give their lives to Christ and they come to faith in Christ, that, that transformation occurs, and transformation, that process of it, also occurs. And then lastly, that we are called to be witnesses. That we are called to be a witness in God's mission in the world. That we are to proclaim and to live out this gospel of Jesus Christ in the world that is all around us. Right here in the city and also to the ends of the earth as we talk about. These are the things that are connective tissue of the Mennonite Brethren. These are the convictions that are there that join us. Not those other things. It's interesting, sometimes I, I tease people, I say, you know, what do you think is the most common Mennonite name in the MB Church? And you can think of those names. There'll be something in the Dutch, German, Russian background. But I'll always say, you know what, it's probably not what you think. The the most common uh, Mennonite Brethren names would probably be something like Kumar, Sharma, Agarwal, Mubaya. Because in India, there are over 100,000 Mennonite Brethren. And in the Congo, there are over 100,000 Mennonite Brethren. That have no understanding of Dutch, German, Russian background. But they understand these distinctives that I just talked about, of a very different kind of thing that connects us. And so I just want us to understand that it's not about these other things, but it's about this diverse body that God is calling around, these central things that really matter, that are important, that are distinctives for us. Let's continue reading uh, verse 14. Paul says, yes, the body has many parts, not just one part. If the foot says I'm not a part of the body because I'm... Not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? And if the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts. And God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, well, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Interesting. Interesting language that that Paul is using here. And he, I think, is, is talking about this tendency that we have to often want what we don't have. Know what I mean? When it comes to even spiritual gifts, oftentimes we think, well, I really wish I didn't have the gifts that I had. I like the gifts that that person has. It's like Paul is saying, it's like saying, you know what, I really don't want to be an eye, I want to be a hand instead. You know, I want to be the hand, the one that picks up the coffee cup in order to, oh no, I can't drink the coffee. Then I want to be the mouth so that I can drink the coffee. Yeah, okay, it gets to be a silly metaphor. But you can't have one part disassociated with the other. You need them all. And so he's he's sort of saying, like, you don't need to desire those things and those gifts and those body parts that you aren't, but rather embrace the body part that you are. I remember uh, a student in Bible college uh, years ago that I ran ran into, and we'll uh, we'll call him Steve because that was his name, Um, and he said to me one time, he said really uh, unapologetically, and he was, you know, quite excited about this, he said to me, and he was in the youth ministries major, and he said, I want to be the next Dave Curry. Now, many of you know Dave Curry, and he's a friend of mine, and he's been here. He was here about a year and a half ago, and teaching on marriage, but Dave has a long history in youth ministry and teaching youth history, or youth ministry, and very gifted man and and an exceptional youth pastor in all kinds of ways. But but Steve's comment was, I want to be the next Dave Curry. Now, it was sad to me, his comment, for a number of reasons. I mean, first of all, his personality and his his gifts were not at all like Dave's, and it's like, you're not going to be that, I'm sorry. But also, his desire was so wrong. His desire shouldn't be like anyone else, but his desire should be to know the God of the universe, the God who created him so intimately, and to understand more fully how God has created him so that he can be the best Steve that he was created to be. Not anybody else. Don't try to be anyone else. Be who God has created you to be. Understand your identity in Christ. Understand the one who has created you. And how he has called you into his body for the common good. I think one of the great lies of today, which I've heard many times at different places, whether it's grad ceremonies or celebrities talking about, you know, um, how you can change the world. And what they say is, um, you can be anything you want to be. If you just work hard enough, if you just put your mind to it, you know, in our world today, you can just be anything that you want to be. Now, I hate to break the news to you, but that's not true. You can't be anything you want to be. I will never play in the NBA. I just can't. Because I don't even like the sport, first of all. Sorry. But there are other reasons. But the reality is, is that, that you will not be just anything that you want to be if you just put your mind to it and sort of press into it. And if you work hard enough, uh, that's not the, it's never going to happen. But you will be, here's the good news, you will be and you will come to life and you will find joy and you will impact others and you will delight the God who created you when you understand him more and you understand your place in the world and how God has uniquely created you to be the very you that he created you to be. So Paul is saying this in this text, he's saying you're not a nobody just because you don't have a gift that is maybe a more public gift. Or maybe your gifting is one that is used more in the background and it's more subtle and it's one that some people might think are the less significant gifts. And he says, don't think of it that way. Every part matters. Every part is significant. There are no nobodies, no matter what. And even if there are those who are in the more public sphere, the only reason that their gifts matter and are significant are for the same reason, because of the body, because of what you're a part of. Not in isolation, not alone, you don't use your gifts alone, you use them in the body. Sometimes we think, you know, well, what if God just made us all alike? What if God just made everybody like me? Wouldn't life just go better? I mean, I just think it would go better, don't you? Or everybody was like you, right? And when I think of that, if everybody was just created like me, then I thought, no, that wouldn't be good, because eventually they discover that we all have the gift of like, you know, being annoying at times, or we all have the spiritual gift of you know, not being able to see what's in the fridge directly in front of us when we open it, or uh, other things like that, right? I mean, so we, we need to have the diversity of gifts and be different. Paul, he, he doesn't say that that would be a good thing. He says, in fact, that that would be awful. And again, Eugene Peterson, he, he translates it this way. He says, an enormous eye or a gigantic hand wouldn't be a body but a monster, What we have is one body with many parts and each in its proper size and its proper place. No part is important on its own. So again, this teaching that Paul is bringing that he's emphasizing the diversity of the gifts and saying that the diversity does not compromise unity. In fact, it's absolutely essential in order to have unity. We have to be different from one another because then we need each other. So this is so critical that our gifts and the significance of our gifts is found in the context of the whole. Not in isolation. I really think that this is also true of the church. I think it's, it's true of the church that, that um, churches also have a unique identity. Churches also have kind of a unique role to play in the bigger kingdom of God. Some churches are more involved on the world stage, some are more involved in the national stage or the city stage or whatever the case may be, and others are just plugging along, being faithful in the background. Every church, I think, has a different kind of DNA, a different expression, a different strength or weaknesses. They have different gifts to give as a whole in the body of Christ as well. When I think of this imagery that Paul is using, my mind, and again, you know my background, but my mind goes... To different sports analogies, and I know that that doesn't work for all of you, and I apologize for that. But when I think of this, actually, I think of a sport that I've played very little of. i only played two years of it, but I, I think of the sport of football. I think that there are very few sports that actually capture what Paul is, is saying here better than football, where they're just such diverse parts, and everybody needs to play a role, and all the roles, when they work together, it leads to something really effective. And this is really hard to talk about if you're a Ryder fan right now. Um... But generally, it works, and generally, it, it makes sense. And you think about it, and you've got these massive 300-pound linemen who are sitting there. And if, if you've ever been down on field level and you see it from that, it's really quite uh, ominous. As you see, these 300-pound linemen who their only role is to hurt people and to protect the quarterback. Okay? And there's just these massive, massive people there. And yet, right beside him on the same team wearing the same uniform is this five 5'7", 160-pound like receiver or kicker who looks like he should be sitting at a desk somewhere and not lift too much because he might hurt himself. And they're on the same team, and you're kind of going like, how do you do that together? And like, how can this person matter when that person is three times the size? And yet they all have a very significant role. And the team is diminished without any of them there. And again, it's this picture of the body that we all have crucial roles to play. That everyone is significant regardless of what your role is then Paul continues in verse 22 to 26. He says, in fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts that we regard as less honorable are those that we clothe with the greatest care. And so we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen. While the more honorable parts do not require this special care, so God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. And this makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. One part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. What a beautiful picture of the body of Christ. And last week we we talked about this idea and this truth that, that the church needs to be a place where people can discover their spiritual gifts, where they can explore their gifts, where they can practice their gifts, grow into their gifts, and even fail, if that's the right word in that, in their gifts, whatever that might look like. But that people can step out and, and discover how it is that God has uniquely created them. And that the church is a place for that where people can come alongside those that might seem or you might call weaker parts and protect them in those moments. Those who maybe are most vulnerable and yet so critical in the overall body. I think when it, when it comes to this area of spiritual gifts, we, we err often on one of two sides. On the one side there can be this arrogance and we talked last week about this gifts projection where you think that everybody should be like you and everybody should have the very similar gifts to you. But then on the other hand there's this other error that we make where we think that well our gift doesn't matter and it's not significant and the body doesn't really need me. I think what Paul is saying here is that neither of those are true. We need to walk with humility not with arrogance but we also need to realize that our gifts and our place in the body matter. In the church, there are no nobodies. And there is only one great somebody, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that we are called to be a diverse people who support, serve, and sacrifice, worship together, and we do so all around this common bond of Jesus. You know, one of the values, one of the core values of our church that we articulate is dependence, this word dependence. What we mean by that is that we uh, can do nothing apart from God, and that God uh, has invited us in to be part of his kingdom work. But that truth that God is first and we are second, and that we need to be people of prayer, dependent on the spirit of God in a very healthy and proper way. In our culture, in our society, we often hear the word independence. And that is something that is promoted over and over again. And, and again, for the most part, a very good word. In fact, as parents, we, we try to keep, create children who are independent. That's a healthy thing. That's a good thing. But when it's pushed to the extreme, independence comes to mean that we don't need anybody else. That we can just be all okay on our own. That we can be, we don't need others when it gets to be an unhealthy thing. But I think what this text is teaching, what Paul is pointing to, is this idea of interdependence. That we need to be people dependent on Christ. That we are independent enough in the sense that we know who we are in our identity in Christ. That we understand and we get our worth and our value from Him. Understanding how he has created us, and who he is. And when we are self-sufficient, or at least have an understanding of that, we are able to actually contribute to the body. Not only to give with our gifts, but also to receive other people's gifts in the same way. This healthy interdependence. And sadly, many believers today feel like they don't really even need the church, the local church. They pull back, and maybe it's just that they use technology in one way or another. You can go online anywhere, follow your favorite preacher, go and look and listen to your favorite worship community and have a virtual experience, watch church on TV, all that you want. Again, these aren't bad things in and of themselves. We all have different ways of doing that and connecting with that. I have my favorite preachers I like to listen to once in a while. But the problem is, is when that goes to such an extreme that it replaces our own community. When we feel like, well, we don't really need each other or to serve others, or to be served by others. I think Paul strongly would speak against that, does speak against that, not because he didn't have a smartphone or understand technology, um, which he didn't, by the way, Um, but, but he understood how we need each other, how we need the body of Christ. We need to serve one another and also to receive from one another. The first group of people who learn together, teaches, encourages, worship, gives, sacrifices... For the sake of Jesus. You know, one of the greatest testimonies that any local church can ever have is by the power of the Spirit, so at work in that community that this diverse group of people with such different backgrounds, such different ways of where we think of things and different socioeconomic classes, different nationalities, ethnicities, all those things, but we come together in unity under the body of Christ, the banner of Jesus. That is a profound testimony to the world when we recognize that there are no nobodies because we know that one great somebody. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that our identity is found in you. And we thank you that our unity is found in you. We praise your name, Lord Jesus. We thank you that we can gather together as a diverse That we can gather together with those who proclaim the name of Jesus and worship together. And praise your name together and serve together. And so Lord, we thank you for this teaching and this truth. And Father, I pray for those in our congregation right now who maybe feel like they're a nobody. That their gifts don't matter, that their role doesn't matter. God, would you just encourage them today? Would you also help us, though, to be a people who come alongside and encourage one another in that? That we not only are ones who are using our gifts to serve others and to serve the body of Christ, but also that we are willing to receive what others bring. Father, may we have the humility to do that. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray that people, each one of us, would know that because of what you have done on the cross and this new covenant, that we can be united in a distinct way that can make such a difference in our world. And I pray that you would help us to be that kind of church. In Jesus' name, amen.